0: we got Eunicia Perret with us here today, and if you want to follow along, head over to empoweredfinancialplanner.com slash pitfalls, where uh, Eunicia and her team will share some information there regarding, you guessed it, financial planning. So I appreciate it, Eunicia, for your time here today.
1: It is my pleasure, Jack, to be here with you.
0: So can you, I, I know that everybody can probably go to your website and kind of find out your background and a few other things. But it, it's always great. It, it, frankly, I find that financial planning, bankers, and for the most part, realtors and real estate investors, we all seem to have kind of accidental per- professions. How did you get into this?
1: <laughs> uh, it's it's funny. So it is kind of accidental, but not really. I've I've always been in the financial realm. I studied studied finance. I was a finance strategy consultant, uh, working with some of the most renowned um, consulting firms in the world. Uh, Really, all the companies that I've worked with were either number one or number two in finance transformation practices worldwide. Um, The reason that's relevant is because for years and years and years, I focused on helping Fortune 500 companies do more with less, optimize their bottom line, um, optimize how they make money, et cetera, et cetera. And what I didn't realize was that our money as individuals was it was and is consistently being left to chance and it was a few years back when my husband and i looked at our personal situation we identified much the same similar to what everybody else is identifying in working with the typical financial advisors it was products over what we needed it was it was commissions over our um the needs and the goals that we needed and had for our family. And when we took a step back, when I took a step back and I looked at what was missing, I found that there was a lot of ingredients missing in a typical, what people think of as a financial plan, financial roadmap, etc. So naturally I kind of went back to my core roots, uh, thinking about finances from a personal standpoint and bolted on with a lot of the expertise that I had acquired over so many years as a strategy consulting expert, um, to help individuals navigate not just their financials but really address the question of how do we keep more money on the table for us how do we keep more money in our pockets versus letting it just being washed away to taxes being washed away to excessive fees to excessive commissions and Ultimately, washed away to not maximized income when it comes to retirement timeframe. Because what we found is all of that can add up easily to hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars over a life over a lifetime.
0: So it's kind of interesting that you bring this up because we, you know, we, before we hit record, I mentioned that uh, sometimes I've I've dealt with financial planners in the past, and and frankly, I find that more times than not, our interests are just frankly not aligned. Before somebody gets into that type of relationship, what type of questions should you think that they should be asking?
1: Well, first of all, they need to, first and foremost, they need to be open-minded. They need to have the mindset that um, that they do need experts on their team and that free isn't always free. Because what we see with a lot of individuals when we get calls is that one of the first questions they'll ask is, how do you charge? Do you charge a percentage of, of the money that you manage? And my philosophy on that is that, it's wonderful for somebody to just be making money off of somebody's money, right? Whether the market goes up and down sideways or otherwise, but what if we focused on putting more money in the client's pockets by minimizing some of those costs? And arguably a lot of people, especially individuals that are high net worth individuals will say, yeah, you know, what is the, you know, an extra 0.25% in terms of costs, or what is an extra 1%? It's not that big of a deal. Well, guess what? When you're, adding up that extra 1% or 2% or whatever it may be in fees and costs that you're not aware of. And you add on the fact that you probably are paying too much in taxes because you don't have a true financial team working on your side to optimize how much, when, and how you pay your taxes. And then you figure out that you're leaving money on the table by the time you reach retirement because you didn't have the right strategies in place and you really take a step back, when you see the numbers as they add up, it becomes a very daunting story. And so that's kind of um, my perspective on that. It's sad, unfortunately, but people, many people are thinking to themselves, nah, I'm fine, right? I'm fine with everything the way it's been, because, you know, the guy next door or the person at the bank does it for free. Is that really free? Or is that, quote unquote, free actually costing you more than you can imagine in across so many different aspects.
0: So you mentioned that uh, y- you were in a situation where it was it was products and and commissions and that over the well well-being of your of the clients. At what point, this this is like a, a drastic mindset shift, I would have to say on your on your part, where you had to you had to decide to essentially buck the trend whether go on your own or find a company that was more closely aligned with your your core beliefs when it comes to this what what tell me a little bit about that journey about how you broke free if you will because more times than not it's easier to just kind of follow the status quo
1: Absolutely, it's very easy because when you follow the status quo, you follow, in many cases, a blueprint that's already there, right? It's it's in many cases it's as much as, you know, be it, everything the conversation is being scripted. And one thing for my clients, they know I'm not scripted. I can't do scripts. As a matter of fact, I hate scripts. Um, I just I call it as it is, and we have an open conversation, very much similar to what we're having here. Um, and what I will tell you is that when I realized one of the big, big has for me, since we are talking to real estate investors, uh, was when I I asked to just be a fly on the wall. As a strategy consultant, just for those that don't understand how the indus- that industry works, you ask a ton of questions. And oftentimes, you just you do become a fly on the wall to just listen to what the client's true problems are, because you cannot come up with, with a solution unless you dive deep down and you understand the root cause. So because I was very familiar with that approach, I requested of multiple financial advisors to allow me to just be a fly on the wall, just listen to their conversations. And it just, it was daunting to me when I heard financial advisor after financial advisor encouraging clients from real estate portfolios, from alternative investments. And to me, um, I had to kind of go back because you're right, you're, you're. The the industry is still incentivized the way that it's always been incentivized. And so the question is, are you going to do more for your clients and leaving money on the table? When the reality is the clients are getting your clients, my clients were getting so much more value, so much more insight, so much more knowledge, so much more empowerment over anybody else's clients. Yet we were cutting our commissions left and right. And so one of the things that it dawned on me is that it really needs to go back to, we needed to go back to more of that that approach where we are able to work with our clients in a way where none of the commissions, none of that matters. What really matters is helping the client understand what is right for them? What do they want the money to do for them? What are the things that make them comfortable? And then to the extent that somebody on our team could help them wonderful, but it was even beyond that. It was how do we find the right individuals to support our clients' needs? And so when it came, for example, going back to the discussion about real estate was, well, what do we do when a client says, hey, I do want to be invested in real estate? Do we just put the kibosh on that and close the lid and say, sorry, it's, it's a great idea, but here are all the reasons why you shouldn't do real estate? Or do we say, okay, what type of real estate investments are you most focused on? And let's figure out what are the right things for you to potentially do. And more importantly, because we are, we're not financial advisors. We're truly financial quarterbacks for our clients. We're our, our, for our clients, we've become their go-to financial partner, because they know that our role and our job is to, to get their, their entire financial team so everybody's talking and is working towards their benefit. And so because of that, the question, we've been able to basically shift the question is to say, okay, does real estate fit? And where exactly does it fit? And how do we optimize it to make sure that it addresses the needs that our clients have? And that's just you know talking about real estate as one specific type of an asset that um, that clients might be interested in.
0: Sure. Well, you know, we of course this is a real estate investing podcast, so I appreciate you diverting the conversation into that direction a little bit. But could you talk a little bit? Like, let's say somebody is coming to you with 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 their portfolio, and they want to to make use of of. I would guess that part of your strategy is also how you can save them when it comes to their taxes and a and a few other things. I mean, that seems to be a big blind spot when it comes to some financial planning, is is just protecting the assets that are already there. Can you talk a little bit about how you use, maybe even real estate, how you use different strategies in order to protect those assets?
1: Absolutely. First of all, I love the fact that you uh, you talked about asset protection, but also blind spots, because that's one thing that most most individuals within financial services don't really talk about right why would they want the clients to know the blind spots when they are in the position where they cannot deliver value in those blind spots in many cases not in many cases it's either because they simply don't know how or what those blind spots even are or in most cases they don't even have access to to ways to deliver value in those blind spots even if they did understand them and so when it comes to real estate specifically uh, one of the things and one of the ways through which we help our clients uh, really focus on tax optimization is to ensure that the individuals, that the CPA, the bookkeeper, whoever it is that they're using on the tax side on their team, that those individuals are well equipped to handle their specific situation. Because just by owning a real estate portfolio in itself can be a huge, huge tax deduction. Now, what if we took that that huge tax deduction because you have a real estate portfolio and actually we're able to continue to max in areas that perhaps historically you didn't even think about as an end consumer. That is the kind of stuff that we do for our clients. How exactly do we do that? I'll give you an example. We won't go into specific strategies because those are different from person to person, but we have a client, um, Dr and pilot, um, um, husband and wife, they own, both of them owned real estate portfolios throughout their lifetime. And one of the things that we found out was that the CPA that they were using was, it was just more of the same every single year where their strategy had changed over the years. And because of that, when even, I'm not a tax expert, but I know enough to be dangerous. When we started talking about that, it was very evident that there were specific areas that they were not maximizing out on when it came to the tax code. So what we did is we, we did what we do best for our clients as their quarterback. We introduced them to a couple of different CPAs that are specialists in real estate portfolio specialists in exactly their fields of work as well. And because of that, those clients are ultimately looking at optimizing and and minimizing their tax exposure in some cases by as much as 30 to 50% plus. And so that's huge, especially when we're dealing with high income earners that are already paying so much in taxes, every little bit counts. And it's not about tax evasion, not at all. I'm all about paying taxes. But it's about being smart with our money. And if we don't understand the tax code, and if we don't understand, you know, how to run the businesses more efficiently, inherently, we're going to end up leaving money to chance. And that's not a good proposition.
0: You know, that's quite, you know, sadly, that's quite refreshing to hear, because more times than not, I've actually talked to some local financial planners. and, And when I've asked them to do exactly similar, something similar to that you're offering there is is being proactive. And when you've noticed something, you bring it up to your client, recommend or suggest a different strategy or a different, you know, you talk about being a quarterback. Fortunately, it seems to be more of a two-way street. When I when I've dealt like you mentioned early on, I'm dealing with a financial plan planner, it it almost seems like we're just kind of following the playbook that their corporation has has pushed them and and here are the products, just get them sold.
1: Absolutely. Um, it, it's the. It's not because people are 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 mal mal intentioned, right? They're ill intentioned. It's simply because, as an industry, it's just how it works. And um, you know, one of the questions that we got oftentimes, Jack, on our end is, you know, why don't you do some of the stuff in house? And my answer to everybody is because if we did it in house, one of my goals at the very beginning was, well, what if we established a family office, right? Every financial expert's dream. But so when I went back asking the same tough questions that I would have as a strategy consultant, what I realized was that, yes, that would ultimately be the best solution for the company. But is that necessarily the best solution for the client? Because I can't tell you how many clients I've had coming to me to say, oh, my CPA is also doing my financial investments and my, fin- my, my financial advisor also does my taxes to have all of those under one platform it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have experts helping on in their specific areas but ultimately what is the true incentive for the client what is the true incentive for the for the company and so because of that Going back to what you said earlier, right? It's all about, it's more of the same year after year. And when clients come to us, they'll tell us, well, we love, I love my CPA or I love my so-and-so and I love my so-and-so on my financial team. And the answer is, you should. it's not that you shouldn't love them. But when is the last time, one of the questions, because we're not about telling clients you have to display somebody on the team, not at all. If they're already the thought leader that we know know that we're looking for in a financial uh, partner for our clients, then that's awesome. Then what we'll do is we'll bring those individuals in and we'll have strategic conversations. But if those individuals that have been on the client's financial team for years and years are doing more of the same every single year, and they're not the ones that are bringing forth the thought leadership to say, hey, last year we did this. This year, this the code has changed this way. We can restructure things a little bit this way. If you do this, if you treat your business this way, these are the benefits that you're going to get. If you're not having those conversations proactively being brought to you by your CPA and your financial team, there's a problem. And you have two mm-hmm. choices. You can either go to them and you can say, my, my financial quarterback told me X, Y, Z, what are we going to do about those? And they'll either have an knee jerk reaction or they'll help you implement them. Or you can say, okay, I've asked some tough questions and the answers I'm getting are more of the same that I've gotten in years past. Is it time for me to maybe elevate the level of clients, of individuals that I'm working with? The choice is on the clients and at the end of the day, but we encourage them to think strategically and it goes right back to the mindset, right? It's hard to make changes it's hard to look at things differently but when we're willing to take a chance on ourselves a beautiful world of opportunities opens up before us because we're going to be experiencing things that we didn't probably didn't even know existed before
0: well I, I, so one of the curiosities that i've always had is the is the fact that we've as a society any kind of financial education that we've gotten is is typically self-achieved. I mean we we just don't have this in, in our school system sadly enough i mean let's let's face face facts and when we when we have been taught anything it is more along the lines of the concept of set it and forget it we just kind of throw money into a pot whether it's through our 401k or what have you and really in hope and pray i mean it's it's kind of hope for the best for the most part how have you I, I, you know, you're talking about high income earners. You probably don't have the, the level of this level of issue, but I would have to think you still run into that on occasion where people are just like reluctant to get involved as they probably should be in their financial well-being and planning.
1: It's actually, it's more prevalent than you would think, Jack. Uh, unfortunately, it's because a lot of the high income earners are, have even more of a propensity to, to want to just have somebody do it, right? Because somebody's going to want to take over managing their money in quotes, right? Managing their money because there's enough money there to manage. They are making enough money to where they'll just do what they do best and, you know, put the money on the roller coaster somewhere and hope that everything's fine, right? Positive and negatives. And at the end of the day, you'll get X, Y, Z rate of rate of return. My perspective is that it shouldn't be that way because what we see on the other end, I can tell you, we work with a lot of doctors. We work with a lot of, um, high-end executives in corporate America, as well as very successful business owners. And what we're seeing is that when they set it and leave it and forget it, when they come back to it, they will have questions. They'll still have that mm, feeling of, I know something is missing. I know something doesn't feel right, but at least somebody's doing something. We have a client we're working with right now, and that idea of at least somebody's doing something is going to be costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars in penalties because they have three children for which they have 529 accounts and those kids and their kids will probably never go to college because they've become entrepreneurs. They're doing well, really well for themselves. And so now figuring out it's either they gift that money to somebody else or they're going to incur the penalties of taking it out. All of that could have been avoided. And we're literally talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. All of that could have been, could have been avoided by having the empowerment, by having the understanding of the pluses and the minuses before they went into some of those things. And then the other component, and it's 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 really another example with this even the same family, but those examples are so again prevalent across the board for those high-income earners and high net worth individuals because they've got the money. They have this particular family, they have the account to the account to the account. You're talking about old IRAs, you're talking about current 401Ks, 403Bs, you're talking about um, pension plans. They had accounts when when we started working together, the idea was if we can get X thousands of dollars per month in retirement, we'll be fine, but we don't think we're there. Guess what? When we just, it, it took, it was like, it was worse and harder than pulling teeth. I kid you not. But we stuck with the client and we guided him along the way. And we finally got to the point where the client's like, I'm so excited. I found that statement that I had forgotten about it. I had forgotten about, we're talking about somewhere around $2,500 a month in additional income that they'll be getting over an account that they had totally forgotten even existed. And their old financial advisor said, oh, I think this account will give you X, Y, Z. But that was seven years ago, forgot about it, market corrected. We all know where it's at right now. Those clients are getting ready to enter retirement. It's the worst time possible for them to have lost the kind of money that they've lost to the market all because mm-hmm. they didn't know all because the proper planning wasn't there and all because somebody just did something for them put the money in an account and said leave it and forget it well it was the worst time to leave it and forget it because yes they capitalized over, of, of, over the market gains but when they looked recently most recently and at, at least one of their accounts it gave back all the way to the 2017 2018 time frame and they're getting ready to enter retirement. So when we're looking at at the timing of what's happening with our money, those are situations that have to be discussed. And we have to embrace the discussions, not just hope that somebody doing something for our money is going to be sufficient.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned the market correction, and we are going through something right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. I would have to guess that unless you actually have a like you said a quarterback somebody to help you plan this out and you stick to the plan a lot of a lot of the market correction is being driven by frankly emotion you know people are just overreacting what how ha- how have you found sticking to a plan and and weathering the storm how important is that
1: it's very important i mean at <clears> least <throat> at least during this period of time um, you know we've had clients that Basically, we we have several clients that were right there near retirement, and we luckily for them we called the conversations in in sufficient time before it became a complete mess. But a lot of individuals that have already lost a ton of money are sitting on this taking mom of, well, maybe I'll just sell out right now and I'll go to cash and, you know, I'll hope for the bottom. But, you know, those things are, to your point, they're very, very emotional. And without having the proper team to help guide and to help hold each other accountable, it's very easy to just ready, aim, fire, and possibly do the wrong thing at the wrong time, because you didn't have somebody to necessarily uh, reach out to. Um, for for the clients that we work with, they have the experts. We have the experts on the team where they can actually talk to them to say, okay, you know, how do we change the strategy? Do we change the strategy? What is it that we should be doing? And it's a lot more um, elaborate than should we go to cash, right? Because for a lot of those individuals, that's not even a question. The question is, what can we do to either stop the losses, minimize the losses, potentially redeploy some of those funds to different types of assets in order to truly maximize what's happening with the money?
0: So, well, I I mean, for the most part, too, I know we're kind of in a downward slope right now, but this is going to be some great opportunities for some people, too. In the end, It will be.
1: It will be absolutely. Yeah. But we also have to look at the fact that historically during those types of times, we experienced the biggest depression rates. We experienced the, the, the highest suicide rate. So all of that coming into play, yes, there will be some amazing opportunities on the back end. But again, are you going to try to just Google this yourself, hope that the person that you so-called are thinking is doing it for free is going to bring those ideas to you. Or are you going to be, are those individuals going to say, you know what, open mindset over here. I need a team of experts that can help pull this together because, you know, otherwise they're, they're on it or in it on their own, unfortunately. Right.
0: So with with the volatility going on right now, what has been your suggestions for most people?
1: It just really depends, Jack. It, de- it really depends on where they're at, what are they trying to achieve? We have to look at um, liquidity. We have to, for many individuals, depending on how close they are to that coveted, I want to no longer work for money, right? Whether we call it retirement or whatever else we want to call it, just enjoy life. um, We're looking at that income uh, at that point in time. And then we're also having to keep in in account the long-term investments, right? Which can potentially take some of that volatility. So it's a matter of pulling back, taking a step back and evaluating what do they need that money to do for them? Where is it coming from? What type of account is it sitting in? Because frankly, the wealthy don't rely on 401k and social security and hope and and the idea that somebody's just doing something. They're a lot more diverse and that's what we are huge proponents of our clients need to know they need, they, they, they desire that empowerment and that empowerment is delivered. and has to be delivered through the knowledge and the awareness that, Hey, they have options, but without knowing what the options are, it's a catch 22. And people end up just doing more of the same and hoping that it holds when in reality, we have to start with the questions of what do we need the money to do? And irrespective of the market conditions, then we'll come up with the right answers.
0: So. Well, I'm going to change the direction on you just slightly over the last few minutes here, if you're ready for it. Sure. So you're an entrepreneur. You, you've started. A, you've got a successful business going on here. What is the one lesson you've learned as an entrepreneur that you've applied to your business to make the biggest change?
1: Investing in myself. And investing in in for me, business coaches that have um, giving me in some cases the ideas, but also in some cases the permission to try new things and to be bold, right, with the things that I wanted to do with the business. Um, I tell uh, I we we come across a lot of individuals that are like, you know what, I can do it on my own. I've I've done all of this research, and here's what I'm going to do, and. Many of them two, three, five years later, they're in no better place because they've just kind of relied on themselves, taking themselves wherever they need to go. But for me, the biggest lesson learned and the biggest, um, the biggest impact that I've I've our business, my business has experienced was investing in myself, investing in the business, and investing in um, the, the thought leadership that was delivered by other people. Um, again, whether it be because it was new ideas, fresh ideas, or it was just a validation knowing that I'm on the right path.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. You bring that up. Uh, and it's a, it's a recurring topic. Every, every time I've asked that question, I would say half the time, if not better, I get a similar answer investing in yourself. And uh, you can't ask for a bigger return on that investment. No, you can't.
1: You you but- you do have to be careful who you associate yourself with, right? I mean, I'll tell you that I've, um, and my team will tell you, we've had some, some business uh, mentors and business coaches that, uh, frankly, looking back in retrospect, it was a laugh out loud situation, but there was that nugget. One of those individuals specifically- we couldn't really use anything that was delivered as part of that individual um coaching program it was a coach an actual coaching program but there was one nugget that just It put so much momentum behind us that even though it was a very expensive program, it it made all the difference. And then you're going to have the business coaches and uh, consultants that are going to deliver value hand over fist. And we've stayed with those for, you know, together or with them throughout the years. um, And that's awesome. But don't just because you've had one bad experience, don't look at it as oh my gosh, it's more of an opportunity to say, okay, what is the silver lining and what can I learn from that experience that I can then apply to some of my other relationships?
0: Sure. So just to remind everybody, head over to uh, the website, empoweredfinancialplanner.com slash pitfalls. For more information, learn a little bit more about what Unisia and and her team are doing over there. Uh, there's a lot of great information but, uh, Eunicea, this has been a great conversation. I will hope you consider coming back again sometime. But before I let you go, is there a question or a concept you wish we would have had time for here today?
1: Thank you so much for having me, first and foremost, Jack. Um, as far as questions, uh, not really, though, the, as specifically asked of me, what I would encourage our listeners to, to do, especially in this volatile environment, though, is for them to think about the fact that it's not just. The downward is how do we capitalize on this current situation, including in the real estate, right? Because we we all know that it's the writing's kind of on the wall. At some point, it, this this whole mess of real estate has got to cool off a little bit, right? When that happens, there will be opportunities. Make sure that you're in a situation where you don't always depend on the bank to do the moves that you need to do to make. Um, it's not always about the hard money lenders. There are other ways that you can empower yourself. But again, you have to ask yourself the tough questions so that as things come back around, you can be best positioned to um, take advantage of the amazing opportunities that will be available on the
0: horizon. Well, I'm going to leave you with that with that last note. I really appreciate it, Unisia, And uh, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that.
1: I, will look for, I look forward to it, Jack. Thank you so much. Have
0: you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.